Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. So, I want to talk about Jesus, and I want to remind each one of us how awesome of a king that we serve, right? We hear about the Christmas stories, we see the movies, and yet at times I don't even pick up God's Word to actually read the Bible for myself, to actually read His Scriptures for myself. So, I want to give you just a brief life summary of who our Lord and Savior really is. His name is Jesus, also called Christ, which means King or Messiah. He was born in Israel about 2,000 years ago, right? Modern civilizations mark his birth by dividing time, B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini or the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. For his first 30 years, Jesus lived a traditional Jewish life, working as a carpenter, probably like his earthly father, Joseph, right? During this time, all of Israel was under Caesar's, Caesar Roman's uh, dictatorship, including Bethlehem, where he was born, where Jesus was born, and Nazareth, where he was raised. So in his 30s, Jesus began his public ministry, his public teaching, and display of recorded miracles, yet still never traveled more than 200 miles from where he was born. Can you believe that? And yet he changed the world. Over a three-year period, despite his efforts to keep a low profile, Jesus' reputation spread nation wide, ultimately worldwide. That's why you and I are sitting here today. The Roman governors and rulers of Israel's provinces and the leaders of the Jewish people, the religious councils, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the priests, the religious people, took note of Jesus, and Jesus had a very simple but yet profound message when he came to earth. This message included that he always preached that God loves you and is with you. And that's what he told his followers, that I'm with you and that I love you. And that to love one another, right? What's the greatest commandment? To love God, to love others. Very simple, and yet Israel, the religious leaders, the priests, piled on so many rules and regulations and laws and made it so complicated. His immense value of each person. Jesus taught and preached about the good news. The kingdom of God has come to earth. Jesus said, I'm here. The kingdom is here. But yet, those who were around him didn't really understand it. He also taught about the reality of judgment. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He said, 
there's going to come a judgment. There is a heaven and there's, there is a hell. There's no in-between. And yet, we as people make it so complicated. He taught about that God forgives those who ask. That God forgives those who are humbled to come before him. Many have asked, who is Jesus Christ? Jesus is the most controversial Jesus' most controversial act was that he repeatedly claimed to be God. And ultimately, that's why he was persecuted, because he put himself with God the Father. Therefore, the religious leaders asked the Roman government to execute him. In each of several official trials, the Romans found that he was not guilty of breaking any Roman laws. Can you imagine that, guys? a man who is not guilty of the crimes that he was accused of. And yet, the people that he came to save handed him over to the Roman government to be persecuted. And sometimes in life we ask, man, it's so unfair I'm living this life. It's so unfair that I'm going through this situation. It's so unfair this happened to me. God, why are you doing this to me? I've been following, I've been trying, I've been doing this. God, why are you persecuting me or why are you doing this to me? And yet, we can see our Lord and Savior. When we go through those, our emotions, Jesus experienced that. Because he was accused and put to death for us. So Jesus was brutally tortured and then hung by his hands, which were nailed to a horizontal wooden beam, as we know it as the cross. As a result of these accusations, Jesus went to the cross. And yet, he was God. And yet, he put aside all that so that he can redeem us back to himself. It's amazing to me how at times, I know in my life, how at times I can take advantage of my Christianity by not really obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? I know for me, like God will tell you there's a certain thing that you're doing in your life that you need to get rid of, right? Or there's a an attitude or a motive or there is bitterness in your heart that you need to deal with. And yet, sometimes in our relationships, people hurt us and we're like, it's hard for us to let that go. It really is. It's hard for us to let that go until we really are honest first of all with ourselves. And then you bring all that to God and say, God, I'm really going through this difficult time because this person has really hurt me or this situation is really, I just don't want to deal with it. I mean, just this past year, I can think about 
relationships with even in our own church family. Like people that have come and people who are gone. And yet, Jesus is calling you and me to be faithful to him. We don't worry about who's doing this, who's doing that. We just need to focus on our relationship with Christ. Because sometimes we worry so much about, I'm just talking as a ministry now, you know, we come and maybe we see people here that are no longer here and we get discouraged and we're like, what is God doing? We were growing and now we're going backwards. For me, that's happened this year. I'm being like, I'm like, I was telling God, God, we were going so well. Like we're going into, we've been serving here since forever. We were going so well. And then what happens? And I'm like being part of the leadership and here at Calvary. I just, you know, sometimes I just step back. I'm like, what happened? What's, (laughs) but you know what? I have to keep my eyes on Jesus. It's like, when you start trying to figure things out that you can't control, then it it just blows you off of what God is wanting you to do specifically, right? And all you can do is sometimes in our relationships, not only within our church family, within our families, or at work, you know, we harbor bitterness towards people. And I'm telling you this because I experienced it. I'm telling you this because I lived it through this year. It's like, and then the, the enemy comes in and he says, boy, you've been walking with God for almost 20 years and, man, you have so much bitterness in your heart. Or you don't want this person to, you know, succeed. Or what's happening And God is like, and then that can, and then I got to go back to my center. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Or where am I supposed to be at? Right? And then we could be serving God here at the church. And then we do it all for the wrong motives. Like, you know, I'm up here playing an instrument. And I'm telling you this because I experienced this this year. I don't know about the other musicians, but I can be up here and just play just to play. Like, oh, we're doing this song again? Oh, my goodness. Honestly. Can you imagine that? It's like, then you're not even worshiping God. It's like you just totally thrown yourself off like, And then, as I prepare for messages, it's like, it's really heavy. Not heavy like, oh, I got to, you know, because I can study, study, study and try to put a message together that impresses people. But you're fooling God if you come up here with the wrong heart. If I come up here and I'm trying to impress you, who gives a care if the Holy Spirit is not moving in your heart? He's not moving in my heart. And it's all for show. 
We can do that playing the bass. We can do that playing the guitar. It's all for show. And I just want to confess to my brothers and sisters and to y'all here tonight. Sometimes I get to that place, right? We all do. And I just want to remind each and every one of us, including myself, as we come to a close of this year, this is the last Wednesday we're going to meet as a body, I would encourage you to take inventory of where you're at in your life with Christ. Musicians, if we're just here just to be here, just to play because nobody else is going to play, our motives are wrong, right? Teachers, if we're back there just to teach and just to be back there because nobody else is back there and you're not loving the kids and being excited with them, it's all for nothing. If you just come on Wednesdays and Sundays and we meet in prayers and come to the fellowship outings, and if you just come just to show up because it's the thing that we do, it makes us feel good like we belong to something, come back to Jesus. Right? Come back to Jesus because he loves you. The great thing about Jesus is he will never forsake us. No matter how bitter our hearts are towards other people. He's just going to let you be bitter in your bitterness until you come to a realization what am I doing? And then when you come to a realization of where you're at in your walk with God and truly and honestly say, God, here I am. I'm broken. I have bitterness in my heart. I can't forgive people. I don't like hanging around these people. God, here I am. Then God, the Holy Spirit will come in and flood your heart with his love. You know, in Romans, it tells us that the, the Holy, God pours the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Sometimes we just have to stir our love for God. Like for myself, when I, in the mornings, when I get up, I try to make it a habit to say, the first thing to say, thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. Because there's a lot of negativity that can come to our thoughts, into our lives that we're just like, instead of saying, oh, I got to wake up Monday. Thank you, God, it's Monday. I get to go to work. I'm, uh, I'm able to go to work. And it's like, come back to Jesus. <laughs> this is the last Wednesday that we get to meet, guys, this year. And if uh, we're far from Jesus right now, this is a great opportunity to just simply, Jesus, help me. Like Peter, when he tried to walk on water and he took his eyes off Jesus, what did he say? Jesus, help. Sometimes we're trying to be so complicated in our prayer life, in our walks with God, that we're trying to manipulate the situation and 
all Jesus wants to know is, come to me. Sometimes we just got to be like little kids. Father, help me. Please help me. And he always, always, always meets us where we're at. Always. 110%. Always. If he doesn't answer your question right away, he's going to give you the faith and the trust to walk through that shit, to walk through that valley for us to overcome those things. So with that in mind, I'm going to veer into, we're going to be in John chapter 21. If you all have your Bibles, you can turn there. And this is the whole purpose. I wanted to bring Jesus out because Jesus is going to meet with his disciples. And he's going to ask a question to one of his disciples who abandoned him at his time of need. Okay? So we all know that Jesus, this is the, resur- the resurrected Jesus. This is after he was put to death. In chapter 20... Remember, he's raised from the dead. There's the empty tomb. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Jesus appears to his disciples. Jesus appears to Thomas. And then at the end of chapter 20, this is what John writes. John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. That is the culmination of what John is writing to all those who read this book. Hey, John is telling us, this is why I wrote this down for you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. He wrote about Jesus' life. He walked with Jesus for three years. I mean, we don't know anything about Jesus' childhood except when he was about 12 years old. They always went to Jerusalem for the Passover. And then Mary and Joseph and Jesus' family took off, and Jesus was left at the temple, and he was already, God was already preparing him for his coming ministry. And so Mary and Joseph go back, and they pick Jesus up, And Jesus said, I'm already at my father's business. So, But before that, we don't know anything about his childhood, what he was doing. I mean, as a Jewish boy, he was probably following his father, his earthly father's footsteps, becoming a carpenter, learning, helping, helping the family, right? Because they were, I mean, the family is all you had back then. So you belong to them. It's a tribe. So that's what John is writing. He wants us, the readers, to really understand that everything he's written is for us to understand that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So we come to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verse 1 states, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. So 
This is about the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples right here. So if you go back and read chapter 20, he appeared to his disciples, he appeared to Mary, and now he's appearing again in John's writing right here. And he's appeared to seven of his disciples. We don't know where the other guys are at, but here we see Peter's there, Thomas is there, Nathaniel, and uh, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together, appeared with him. John chapter 21, verse 3 says, I'm going out, Peter saying, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So we see that they kind of went back. Remember, Jesus told them, hey, guys, when before I ascend into heaven, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. So that's where these guys are at. They actually went back to where they were living before and where they did most of their ministry at, which was in the region of Galilee. So John chapter 21, verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, can you imagine that? I mean, these guys, before Jesus came into their lives, they were professional fishermen, most of them, and that's what they did for a living. And so they're out there at night. I don't know, if I was one of the disciples and, you know, I'm expecting the kingdom of God to come at hand right there and then, and Jesus was our leader, they were expecting that Jesus was going to be the ruler on earth right then and there. It hasn't happened yet because we're still expecting that in a second coming. And so these guys are like, man, I, I was expecting to be one of the rulers, uh, probably you know, rule one of the provinces, and now Jesus is dead, and all the things that we learned in the past three years, it's all for nothing. So let's go back and do what we did before we met Jesus. I don't know, maybe that's what they were thinking. You know, you go back to your old way of living, because that's all you knew. So these guys are out fishing. They're professional fishermen. And they haven't caught anything all night. I don't know how they do it. You know, you throw the nets. Do you throw the nets and you leave the nets? I don't know. I, sometimes I see those documentary. You throw the net and you just leave it there until you catch something for like a week or something or a day or something. I don't know if they were throwing the nets all through the night. Oh, man, this is ridiculous. I haven't caught anything. I don't know if they threw it on both sides of the boat. It really doesn't say that. I don't know that. I've read commentaries. They haven't expressed that. So if I was in their shoes, I'd be like, and they don't know that that was Jesus at the shore. And this guy's just walking, and he tells me, hey, throw your net on the other side. If I was Peter, I'd be like, man, this guy don't know nothing about fishing. We've been out here all night, and he's wanting us to throw our nets on that side. And they probably threw their nets on that side half of the night and threw their, right? And I'll be like, what do we have to lose? So nonchalant, they threw it. And yet behold, what did they do? The catch was great. It was great. 
And for us, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, they listened to Jesus, they obeyed, and what was the outcome? Sometimes in our, in our lives, I know for me, the Holy Spirit tells us specifically things to do. Right? Is it just me or do all of us have that? Not only through the Spirit, but also through God's Word. So specifically, we know what to do, and yet we don't obey. And we don't get the outcome that Jesus wants us to get. Because what? We don't obey. Right? If we're not obedient to what God wants us to do, we're never going to experience the outcome like these guys did. Even though they didn't know it was Jesus, they just simply obeyed. And yet, they brought in a haul of fish. Obedience. When we obey the will of God, the outcome is his will. The outcome is his will. Sometimes it's hard to obey what God wants us to do. Because we're people. We have our own agendas, our own way of thinking, our own way of wanting to do things, right? So in John chapter 21, verse 7 says, Then the disciples whom Jesus loved, that's John, he always says the disciple whom Jesus loved. I think he had a kind of complex. He's wanting to tell everybody, hey, Jesus loved me. So, but I find it kind of funny. Uh, He said, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped up his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. This is who Peter is. He's like, without thinking, he just goes, goes, goes. Remember, Jesus said, everyone's going to leave me. And Peter says, I'm not going to leave you, God. I'm not going to leave you, Jesus. And yet, Peter denied him three times. And right here, we see what type of person Peter is. I'm a lot like that sometimes. I'm like, when there is a problem, you just, bam, want to go and fix it. And sometimes we don't pray through things. We don't seek counsel. We just want to fix it. And sometimes God doesn't want you to fix nothing. He wants you to just come to him. Come to him. Seek wisdom. John chapter 21, verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Jesus is already serving these guys, right? If you look in the scriptures, he's already serving these guys. These guys were out fishing all night, haven't caught anything. They probably didn't eat anything, drink anything. And Jesus knew that he loved these guys because those those were his guys, his disciples that he walked with for three years. Can you imagine living with somebody, walking, talking, being in a relationship with someone for, I mean, I've been in a relationship with my wife for a long time. 20 plus years, uh, 23 plus years. And she knows me better than anyone else. She knows when I look at, you know, when I have a certain look, there's a certain look. Or just all the little 
things that she can read about me that nobody else can because we have walked through life together. So Jesus has been walking with these guys for three years. So they intimately know each other, right? So in John chapter 21, verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, following the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire or burning coals there with fish. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish you just caught. Jesus already serving them, meeting their needs, their hunger. John chapter 21, verse 11. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And there goes Peter again. You can see the type of person Peter is. He's just a go-get. When something's happening or something needs to be done, he just does it without really thinking about it, which is good and bad. But he does it. And we can see Peter was probably a really strong dude because that's 153 fish. That's a lot of weight. So these guys weren't like wimpy little dudes, you know. These guys were were men, you know, they were statured. John chapter 21, 11. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the fish. It was full of large fish, 153. But even, even with so many, the net was not torn. John 21, 12. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, where who are you? They knew it was God. They knew it was Jesus. They knew it was the Lord. And sometimes we go through life and we know it's God that wants you to do a certain thing in your life. You just know it. It's like there's a calling in each and every one of our lives. There's a relationship that Jesus wants to mend in your life that you know you have to extend before they extend to you. You know you have to forgive, get rid of the bitterness, and whatnot. Can you imagine what's going through their minds right now? If I was one of those guys just sitting around, if I'm Peter, I'm sitting around, I'm like, man, I'm sitting by the fire, and I had denied Jesus by the fire. You know, I left him when he was alone and in need. And sometimes in our lives, we can be in a conversation or a situation where God wants you to step out, right? To step out of your comfort zone. And sometimes we're too ashamed that to be recognized, hey, I follow Jesus. I'm not going to be involved in something like that. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, man, here's Peter that denied the Lord three times. If it was me, I'd feel, what, guilty? Ashamed? Like I wouldn't even want to hang around with Jesus right there. Because 
Jesus told me what was going to happen, and I told him I was never going to leave him. And yet, when that happened, I left, and now Jesus is right here in front of me, extending grace. Let's read on. John chapter 21, 13. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Remember, Jesus had the last supper with his disciples, and he broke the bread and told them, this is my body. Can you imagine sitting around that fire, eating the fish, and Jesus brings up the bread, and he probably broke it, said, here's a piece for you, here's a piece for you. And then the disciples were like, oh my goodness, we had just done this maybe a week or two, a few days ago with, with Jesus when he was alive on earth before his death. And so they're reminded and they're blown away that Jesus wants to sit with them and have a meal with them. I think our most intimate times with people, with uh, when we're building relationships, is when we're sitting down and having meals with somebody. Right? That's why we do the, the, the food stuff when we do it. Or when we invite people over to our houses and we allow them to come and really sit with us and, and talk about and experience life together. That's when friendships really form. That's when you have a connection with people. When you're really intimately involved in their lives. And a lot of times, you know, you invite somebody to dinner. Hey, you guys want to go out to dinner? And you form friendships. I think it's pretty neat. John chapter 21, 14, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this is, the, this is where I wanted to get as far as the meat of what I want to relay to you, my brothers and sisters, of why Jesus is so important in this time of year in our lives, especially at the end of our year, going into the new year. Because the question is, even though life is so difficult, you're going to come at a point in your life where our motivation for doing the work of God should be greater than anything. Our motivation for serving the Lord should be our love for God. Because God says, love never fails. Love never fails. So if we love God, we're going to come up here and play our instruments the best that we can, sing the best that we can, play the bass, sometimes out of tune, the best that we can, give a teaching the best that we can with the right motives, with the right heart. If you're doing it for God, guys, that's all God wants you to really get a hold of, right? Our motivation to serve should be our love for God. Because every other stuff that we try to build up to serve Jesus doesn't work. It becomes so much harder because it's not done out of love. So as, as I say that, 
Let's, let's read on. John chapter 21, verse 15 says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter says, yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my lambs. So specifically, Jesus is talking to Peter and I believe he's doing this because he wants Peter to understand that Jesus loves him. Despite his denial and betrayal, when he could have acted differently, that Jesus wants Peter to really understand, do you love me? And here is Peter by the fire. He's thinking, man, I denied my friend Jesus. He's probably feeling ashamed. He's feeling guilty for abandoning his friend in his time of need. And sometimes do we do that to Jesus? Really? Do we do that to God in his time of need? When we don't do things out of love for God, that's like abandoning him in his time when he wants us to serve. Even though we're a small church, everybody makes a part. Everybody takes a part. Everybody. That's why I'm so blessed when, you know, when we have our pot blessings, when we have our Thanksgiving thing. It's like everybody gets up, moves the chairs, brings the tables out. Everybody brings food. Everybody serves. Because we love God. And we express our love through our actions. We don't know what, you know, only you and myself know what our motives are of why we serve. But we should serve God out of our love for him. John chapter 21, 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Now, the first time Jesus says, feed my lambs. It's very easy for us to go out. Just think of yourself as a farmer. We're going out, we're feeding an animal, right? Hey, you go out and feed this animal. We just take a feed or whatever they eat, throw it out there and they eat. But we're not tending to the animals. We don't take care of the animals, right? We don't have to look after the animals, take them out. I don't know what they do. Take them out, make sure they're warm, bring them back in or whatnot. We don't tend the animals. We don't take care of them. We don't stay around them, protect them, keep them safe. Some of us are still stuck in the same, in that first boat. We just feed. It's like in your Christian walk, you're still on base one when God wants you on the next level of your walk. Some of us needs to be further on in our Christian walk. I'm sorry, I don't mean to like put something out there, but I need to hear it. We all need to hear it. Because when it comes down to it, guys, we can be lazy. We can be lazy with our relationship with Jesus, right? 
honestly, we can be nonchalant. It's like when we when what really matters is the kingdom. Jesus is telling us what really matters is the kingdom. And we forsake the kingdom and focus on our kingdom. I don't know what that is for you. I know what it is for me. And I'm looking back this year, there's a lot of times, guys, that I focus on my kingdom. My kingdom. The things that are important to me come first before God, right? And sometimes I have to step back and, like, really take inventory. God, I'm so sorry. I've been putting other things, other people, other relationships before you. And so we have to come back to Jesus. John chapter 21, verse 17. The third time Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, Jesus, you know all things. Of course, now he calls, now he knows that Jesus knows all things because this is, this guy was dead and now he's alive feeding me fish. He's God. He knows all things. And he says, Jesus, Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. It's all about the kingdom, Jesus is telling Peter. Listen, Peter, this is what I want you to get. You denied denied me before, but I'm establishing you because you are going to be one of the leaders of the church. You don't even know nothing about, but I want you to take inventory of where you're at because I'm getting ready to do a mighty work in your life. And this is what's going to happen. You're going to feed my sheep. You're going to tend my sheep. And then you're going to feed my sheep until they mature up. And Jesus is making sure that Peter understands. He tells them three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I think Peter got the picture. He says, yes, Lord, I do love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Then Jesus tells them, very truly, I tell you, in verse 18, when you were younger, you were dressed, your, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. Follow me. Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, you got to have a motive of love to follow me because your life is not going to be the same. You're going to be the pillar of a church, and I'm going to use your life to expand my kingdom. And this is what's going to happen when you do, Peter, because you denied me before three times. You're not going to deny me. This is what's going to happen. So God, Jesus wants to make sure that Peter understands, hey, you're going to die, you're going to die for me. You're going to die a death 
Because you're going to have to decide right here, right now, if you're going to accept what I'm giving you. And Peter does. Because we see his life all over the book of Acts, the New Testament. Peter does. He becomes one of the leaders of the church for Jesus' kingdom. And this is pretty funny. Peter turned and saw that disciples whom Jesus loved was following them. That's John. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about this guy? Peter said, hey, Lord, I know what I'm going to do. You're already telling me what I'm going to do, but what about this guy here? And sometimes we can be so caught up in other people's walks with God when we need to focus on our walks ourselves, right? We need to focus on our walks ourselves. Because if we do that, no matter what we go through, our motives is going to be to love Jesus is why we serve. Guys, we all have our calling. Even though we're small in this church right now, each one of us has a calling. I mean, some of you guys are mothers. Your calling is to be a great mom to disciple those little ones that you're responsible for, for the kingdom of God. No matter what's going on, no matter if it's hard, difficult, that is your calling as a mother. If you're a wife in this room, your calling is to be a wife. And what does the Bible say about the wives? Right? What does the Bible say about being husbands? Being followers of Jesus, we all have a calling. You and I, we don't have to worry about others. All we need to do is follow Jesus. We need to follow Jesus. Because of this rumor spread, now Jesus answered, if I want him to make, this is John chapter 21, uh, verse 21. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about this guy? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive, I will. Until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. We have a calling. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple, John, would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple, John, who testified these things and wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. John was an eyewitness to the living Jesus, to the resurrected Jesus, to the early church. He was the last disciple to die, and he was a great impact of what Jesus wanted him to do in his life as opposed to Peter's life. John 21, 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Isn't that amazing, guys? That we just have a little chapter, I mean, a little glimpse of Jesus' life. And John is telling us, if everything that Jesus did, all the miracles, you know, I can't, I, it blows me away. Like, if Jesus were to come today, like, all the people in the hospitals would be healed. And, I mean, look where we're at 2,000 years later, and we're here 
worshiping Jesus because of this. So I encourage you in your walk with Jesus, the motivation for anything that we do for the kingdom should be our love for him because love never fails. Amen? All right, as the worship team makes their way up here, we'll close this out. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity just to share your word with my brothers and sisters, God. I pray that everyone received exactly what you wanted them to receive tonight, God. God, that they would hear from you, not me, but from your spirit. From your word, Father. Help us, God, to live our lives in a way that's worthy. Help us, God, to to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God. That your love, your joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit would be the evidence in our lives that we belong to you, that we love you. Encourage us, challenge us, fill us with your spirit as we leave this place to live for you in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.